Thank you so much for being here this morning. We're starting an awesome series. It's called More Than Many Sparrows. You guys saw our little intro, and of course you're figuring what in the world could this be about. Well, I want to start just by, by giving you guys a picture. Um, if you guys go on the internet and you jump onto Google, which is my favorite search engine, I don't know what yours is, but you decide to type in, I am worthless, man, you get a ton of responses. All these different articles come up, I'm worthless, and you search it, and there's, there's, there's tons. Um, as soon as you press enter, oh wait, now you don't have to press enter, how's that anyone? Autofill joke, anyone? Anyone using, anyone using Google and thinking that they're annoyed by the fact that it immediately, you type A and it immediately takes you to Amazon? You're like, I wasn't even... <laughs> Anyways, if you guys aren't knowing that yet, it's fine. You'll know before long. <laughs> but I searched, I am worthless. And it's interesting, I, tons of articles. Let me read this one for you. This one's put up on Wrong Planet forums. Pretty much any forum board you go on, you'll find one of these. And this guy says, yep, I feel rather empty because I know there is nothing interesting about me. I've no direction, little in my head, and I guess I'm pretty much worthless all up. A waste of resources. I can't seem to pull myself together. I'm nothing. I bore people. I'm stupid. And I'm irrationally whiny and full of self-pity, as evidenced by posting this on this board. I need to find some way to improve. Now or else I'll just drown in my worthlessness. Does anyone have any advice about finding direction? And if you search this, you'll find tons of articles like this, people who post on the internet, I am worthless, of no value. People were not made to have that type of mindset. No one was born with that mindset. Man, that's the, that's the reaction of being part of a world that pushes us down, knocks us down, mistreats us, tears us down, where finally it comes to that point where that's what you feel about yourself. When you say, who am I? Your reaction is to say, I'm worthless. Man, that's not put in any of us from the time that we're born. That's put on top of us. And really, we see it pile up, and you know, people who have no goals, no drive, no interest, no nothing. And we even see to the extreme cases where people really just completely lose the worth of who they are. And you see it in people who are... um, dealing with strong drug addiction, and they no longer care about the fact that they're destroying their body. Um, you see it with, with women who turn to prostitution, and, and something that was meant to be very sacred and shared in, in, a, in a marriage context is sold for money. And we see even to the fact that then there's people who, in such sadness, loneliness, loneliness and worthlessness, will even take and think that suicide would be the answer instead of living another day. There's a terrible problem with this in our society worthlessness people who don't care we see that it's it's enforced by the really the community around us i don't know about you guys it's been a while since i've been in college but i used to use this analogy or even in high school you guys who are still in high school if you walk down the the hall and you drop your books does anyone even stop to help you pick it up most of the time they just walk right by you they ignore you like you don't even exist when that happens there's no worth given to you no one actually cares they just walk right by There's one big problem I find with this mindset, though, is that God disagrees. God disagrees with this mindset. If you have a Bible with you guys, or if you don't, and if you don't have one and you want one, if you want to stop by and you tell us, we'll have one for you next week. We'll get one for you so you guys can can follow along with us because it's cool to be able to actually have it tangibly in front of you. But if not, you can go ahead and listen to me this morning. 
The main verse we're going to be talking about is in Luke, and it's Luke 12, 4 through 7. And I want to read it for you this morning. It says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing of the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. It says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. The verse is talking about being afraid because there are people who are coming to destroy who you are. He says, he's talking about people who are coming to tear you down and, and mess you up. He says, don't be afraid of them. He says, if anything, if you want to be scared of somebody, you should be a little scared of, of, of God himself. He has the power to really decide where you're going to spend eternity, not just this life. But then he says this, that aren't, just, aren't five sparrows worth only two pennies? And yet God knows the story of every single one of those sparrows on earth. Not one of them is beyond his knowledge. Not one of them falls to the ground without him knowing it. And he says, now you don't worry because you're worth far more than many sparrows. He says, if God takes time to know about every sparrow, just think of how much he takes time to know about you, to understand who you are. When I look at this section, there's a few things that come to mind, but the thing I want to talk to you about this morning, the one that stands out to me, maybe the easiest, is that you are worth God's care. You're worth it. He says in this verse, if you look back at, at, at verse 5, he, he's, he's, in verse 4 and 5, he's talking about not worrying. He says, don't worry. And he says, you know, actually the fact that he hit this big, huge God, he says, if anything, be a little bit afraid of that. And then even later on in this verse, if you look down, uh, if, you, if you ever look at this here, it goes on and says, if you're brought before synagogues to be questioned, back in this day, the Christians, what happened is they'd bring them into the the temple, and they, they'd question them and fire a bunch of things at them. And he says, even then, he says, don't worry. God will take care of it. He says, don't worry. But I wonder, why is God saying don't worry? I mean, is it just because it's not good for us? I mean, that's true, right? If we do studies online, you'll find right now that worry is actually really terrible for you. They always talk about people who have ulcers, and they have problems, they can't sleep, all these different issues because of constant worry. Maybe that's part of it, but what I think the reason why God says don't worry is, is what he's saying is I got your back. He says don't worry because I have your back. I'm taking care of it. He's saying you're worth my care. There's this pastor, Stephen Furtick. He pastors uh, uh, Elevation Church down in, in, in North Carolina. And I, I hope as we continue this relationship that I get to encourage you to more pastors that you guys should listen to. Um, I encourage you guys to take vitamins throughout the week in the form of podcasts and vodcasts from online. You can find great pastors like Stephen Furtick, Perry Noble, Craig Groeschel, men like this who preach amazing words of God and supplement the teaching that I'm talking about on, on, the, on the weekend uh, so you gain more knowledge of God. But Pastor Furtick was talking once about a story when he was, he was out trick-or-treating. And uh, perfect time of the year, right? Just getting about ready to get into that. But he went out trick-or-treating and he got home and the two guys who he was trick-or-treating with were two years older than him. And of course, at the, at the age of, of puberty, two years can make like tremendous amounts of difference, can it? That's the difference between like being a little kid and, and starting to be a man. Well, he got back and it turns out that the two kids decided that they didn't have enough candy and Stephen didn't need his candy. So they go, went ahead, took his bag and dumped it into their bags and said, too bad. Left him. So 
as, as the, his friends leave the house, Stephen is freaking out, trying to figure out how he's going to do. And he's, he's trying to, like, climb out the window, basically running as fast as he can. And his dad said, just, just hold on, Stephen. He says, what's, what's the problem? He says, they stole this, and yeah, I, I got to go. And he says, no, just hold on. Tell me what the problem is. And he says, I can't. They're going to be gone. I have to get. And he says, no. He says, stop. He says, just tell me what the problem is. And he says, well, they stole my candy. And he says, well, why don't you sit down and let me take care of it? And he says, you know, I didn't think about the fact that really if I chased after these two guys who were both bigger than me and told them to give me back my candy, what would have happened anyway? Nothing. They'd have pushed me down and laughed at me. He says, no, what's great though is he says, I sat down, watched 10 minutes of Andy Griffith, and then my dad came back with a bag of candy. <laughs> he says, I didn't have to know what happened. He says, I don't know if I want to know what happened. But he says, dad went and took care of it. And he says, you know what, Stephen, why don't you just sit down let dad take care of it. I think that's exactly what God's saying with these situations. Is he's saying, don't worry about it, because really, even if you could chase and catch up to that problem, chances are it would just roll you anyway. You wouldn't be able to hold on to it. You wouldn't be able to do something about it. It would, it would knock you over. So instead he says, why don't you just sit down for a second and let me take care of it? I can do it. You know, he doesn't just say this about those big circumstances, because when you read this, it says, like, people are coming to destroy us, right? But also, God cares about the little things, um, the everyday. In Matthew 6, uh, verse 25 through 34, I want to read you this little section, and I'm going to read it to you out of the message, because it flows really well. It's easy to understand. Um, so if you listen to this to me, you have to, like, connect, because it is a little bit long. It says, if you des- decide for God, living life living a life of godly worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more than birds. Aren't you more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? It says, uh, oh, hold on one second. <laughs> I jumped over. This is why you don't read a parallel message NIV Bible because you can mess up. It says, has anyone by, anyone by fussing in front of the mirror even got taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it, it makes that much of a difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen a person, excuse me, have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. Now, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what, you may, what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. That's kind of a long section, but if you, if you work through it with me. It's saying that if you walk with God, 
You don't have to worry about all those little details every single day. He says, yeah, the average person, all they're carried about is, what am I going to eat? I'm hungry. Or what am I going to wear? And about those small little details of life. But he says, if you're walking with God, you don't have to concern yourself with them. Not that you can't think about them, but you don't have to weigh yourself down with those concerns. And God isn't saying this because he wants us to starve to death. God's not saying, well, don't worry about what you're going to eat, and then you guys are going to starve and die. He's saying it because he's going to take care of you. It's half of a promise. He says, don't worry about it because I'll take care of it. He wants to care for these basic needs in our life, not just the super spiritual. Because I've heard people use like verses like there's, uh, Luke 11, if you guys ever read it or not. It says if you knock on God's door that he'll answer. Well, the problem with that verse is if you actually read it, what he's talking about is giving you the Holy Spirit, which is cool. We need the Holy Spirit. But people try to apply it to other things and say, well, I'm just knocking on God's door for that Porsche Boxster. Sooner or later, God's going to come through and give it to me, right? Just knocking on that door for that new carpet in my, in my living room, you know? That's not the stuff he's talking about. But what's cool is in this verse, he's saying just those average things that you need. That's what I'm talking about. This, not the super spiritual. Um, things like food and clothes. And, and maybe he's not going to provide it in a miraculous way. Maybe you're not going to pray, God, I need a new pair of shoes, and boom, they're going to blow onto your feet. But maybe you pray for a new pair of shoes, and God's going to give you some overtime at work very tangible way to be able to accomplish the same thing. The basic need that I can think of that all of us have, the most basic need, has got to be food, right? That constant flow. How many people here will admit they are food lovers? It's okay. This is a safe place. You can share. I'm a food lover. I don't know about you guys, but what I eat changes the entire outcome of my day. If I make good food today, I'm in a good mood. I got to tell you, yesterday I ate Panera for lunch. I don't know if you guys ever ate Panera bread or not. Afternoon's better now. I eat lunch. We'll go places. We'll, like, like vacation is a good example. I don't know if you guys have ever been on a family vacation, but by like the second day you hate each other, right? Way too much time together. And what's funny though is we'll start getting a little snippy, a little bit, you know, on each other, and I'll realize I'm like, we just need to stop and eat. The problem is, is we haven't ate in like six hours. And you stop and eat, and you know what? The world's good again. Everything's fine. I'm happy. I could sit here all night because I am full of delicious food now. <laughs> or even events. Have you ever noticed, like me, um, fairs, carnivals? I don't go to actually see the events or actually do anything at the fair. I go for the fair food. I'll admit it. Corn dogs, elephant ears, the most disgusting food on earth. And they sell them from these tiny little shacks alongside of a, a strip. But I don't know about you guys, but I'm a, I'm a food lover as well. And it's one of our most basic needs. No matter what, whether or not we eat good food or bad food, we've got to eat some food. Um, but this is even God's heart. We see it in the Bible. All the way back in the Old Testament, in Exodus, you guys probably, just because of our American culture, you've heard the story of, of uh, Moses going in and taking the, the Jews out of, out of Egypt. I don't know if anyone, you guys have heard this story or not. It's kind of a classic one. But, you know, the, the Jews, which are God's chosen people, they were used as slaves in Egypt. And God takes and sends Moses to go in, take and bring them out of that slavery, basically stand in front of Pharaoh, you know, the, the main man, tell him to let his people go, which he probably didn't say that exactly like that. He probably stammered and stumbled because it says that, that actually he had a terrible speech impediment. But he brings his people out, and God does miracles. He sends down uh, plagues. On, on Pharaoh, 
to let him to show him the fact that God really is serious. I mean, like crazy stuff, like the water in Egypt turning to blood. Like that's pretty freaky, right? Get your attention a little bit. Even to the fact that literally the last plague to get his attention is that every firstborn died to make him realize that God is serious. And he finally said, okay, fine, just go ahead and go because this is crazy, right? They go and Pharaoh changes his mind and decides to chase after these, these Jews. And God does this crazy miracle where he literally parts a sea, spreads it apart so that the Jews can walk through it. It says on dry ground, not like muddy, sloppy ground, because that's, that's the other amazing part, right? Anyone could part a, uh, part a sea, but we know, right, at the bottom of the ocean, bottom of the sea, you're going to have mud like feet deep. You just jump into it and sink up to your ears. But it says they walk across on dry ground, and then the Egyptians come in, and the whole thing crashes in and kills them. I mean, amazing stuff, right? I mean, don't you think if, us here in this modern era, we say, if I saw that, there would be no question that I believe in God, right? No question. They get on the other side of this, and as soon as they get out into the wilderness, you know what they do? They complain. Oh, I wish I was back in Egypt. At least there I had three meals a day. I'm starving out here. Can a guy get a food, some food, you know? They, they start complaining after all of this. And you know what God does? Instead of going, toughen up, right? Like, when you, when you'd expect, I just saved you from, like, imprisonment, being a slave, uh, I don't care, eat some cactus, eat some roadkill, right? Like, deal with it. You know what God does? As he says, okay, I've heard your complaints. And he says, in the morning, I'll have dew fall, and when the dew burns off, there's going to be bread there for you. And he says, at night, quail are going to come flying into your camp and land so you can have meat. Crazy, right? In the morning, they pick up bread off the ground, to make, their, to make their food. It's called manna, which, believe it or not, manna means what is it. That's what it means. Because they saw it and they're like, what is that? That's what, that's what it meant. Those old translations, they seem more pious and, and pretty than they actually are. Um, and then at night, a bunch of dumb quail come land in your camp so you can just walk out and boot them and take them in, <laughs> take them in for dinner. That's what God does. Instead of saying, like, toughen up, he says, okay, I'll still take care of your needs. Bread in the morning, meat in the evening crazy, right, that God would do all that for them because he still cares about their needs. You know, later on, too, in the New Testament, we see this same thing. Jesus is teaching a bunch of people, and he realizes it's getting towards the end of the night. People are getting hungry, and his disciples actually say, Jesus, send these people off. They're all getting hungry. They have to journey back into town to get, a, get food. You keep them out here much longer. When you send them off, they're not going to make it back. They're going to start dropping of hunger and thirst. And Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them? And of course, the disciples are like, are you, are you joking? Like, here, is anyone here, if I told you guys, hey, could you just go ahead and, and um, whip up a meal for me? There's about 5,000 people going to be here tomorrow. Could you take care of that for me? You'd be like, what? Are you, are you joking? Like, first of all, do you have any money? Because running short, right? Um, let alone the fact of actually getting this done. And Jesus says, well, what do you have? And he says, well, we have some, some bread and some fish. So he takes it, and Jesus does a miracle where he blesses the bread and fish, breaks it, and it takes and feeds 5,000 people. Not only that, too, but there was like five loaves and two, two fish, if I remember correctly. And those five loaves and two fish, when they get done, they didn't just gather like five loaves and two fish. They gathered 12 baskets of extra food. Do the math on that. It doesn't really work out except for a miracle. But instead of just saying, you know what, you're right, let's send these people off to go get food, Jesus says, okay, no, I'll just feed them. 
God's concerned and care, it cares about those most simple things like what we eat. It's almost surprising that, that we'd be worth that type of care. But you know, not only that, just those really basic things, but God wants to take care of the personal things too. Um, God knows that our needs aren't just skin deep. That it's not enough to just say, you know what, don't worry because I'll give you food, I'll give you clothes. It, that doesn't cut it, does it? That's not everything. I don't mean to judge anybody here this morning, but I, I bet you in a crowd this size that there are people who are dealing with some heavy stuff right now, even just in a crowd this size. I guarantee you there are some people who are stressed out, freaked out, right? Too much at work, too much in life, worried, concerned, have a hard time even focusing on what I'm saying right now because there's way too much going on in your head. There's so much I have to get done, so many things to worry about. There's probably people dealing with stuff, too, that's just heavy. Um, I think a lot of times we just expect people to, to, to just be in a, in a great mood. And I realize sometimes I, I, some people walk in in the morning, and some people are going to be smiling, and some people walk in on a Sunday morning, and they're not smiling. And they don't need to smile because I realize that there's some heavy stuff that we carry throughout the day. And um, the reality is, though, is that God wants to deal with that as well. He's not just about the bread and the fish and our clothes, but he's also about those deep things that we deal with too. Many people have no one to help. They feel these things, but there's, there's no one who can help them out. And I want to read this, this awesome verse. Um, it's, it's simple, but it's so, it's so beautiful. And uh, I'm going to read it to you actually in, in two versions of the Bible. I don't know if you guys read a lot of, of different versions. I try to just to kind of get a better view of a, of a scripture. But I'm going to read it to you in the NIV, and then I'm going to read it to you in the message. The message is translated kind of like, how would it sound today if we were just going to say it? But it says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's some beauty in that, but let's listen to it as just if it was said just like today. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or real fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Man, that verse just touches my heart. There's so many times I get so caught up with all the stuff that I have to deal with. And there's still sometimes, I mean, I'm a pretty happy person, but I don't know about you guys, but just sometimes aren't you just down for no reason? People are like, well, why do you feel down? You're like, I don't know. I'm just not happy right now. That's just who I am. Today, I'm not happy. But God says, come close to me. And he says, what I'm going to do is I'll show you how a real rest feels. I'll show you what it feels like when I take those burdens away. I'll show you the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that term. Just, that, just, just a feeling of, of rhythm in your life where it doesn't feel like you're out of step, but it feels like you can make it, like you can carry on. There's a, a time a long time ago um, when I was in a prayer time. And I was in one of these weird moods. And I was just like, I don't know. I couldn't talk to God. 
I felt like he was far away from me. I, I felt like even though I, I was doing ministry, I felt like I couldn't connect with God, like he wasn't there. Um, and we had this time when we just stopped and we had a, a prayer time. And I remember that I sat down and I said, I don't have anything to say, God. I have nothing to say to you. I've told you everything. You know what's up. I don't know what to say. And I just sat there and sat there for 45 minutes during one of these prayer times. And you know what blew my mind was, is after a few minutes of being there, I felt this strange feeling, just like a dad came and sat down next to you and put his arm around you. There was nothing audibly said to me. I didn't hear a word from God. I didn't see a vision. But what I felt was comfort, and one that I can't explain. It just felt like someone sat down next to you and said, it's going to be okay, and put their arm around me. And after 45 minutes, I got up and I, I shared with the people who were there. I didn't hear any word from God. I didn't say anything to God. But somehow God gave me comfort, because I really just felt like, like I was just burnt out tonight. That's the kind of God that we serve. He wants to meet with us and help us out in those times. Just kind of like a, a personal hug. In, um, in 1 Peter, there's this, this awesome verse, and, and it is so concise in, in God's help for us. I want you to hear it, and I want you to remember this one too, because this is a great one, great one for our lives. 1 Peter 5, 7, it says this, Cast all of your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Simple and short, right? But what God is saying is he says, all of that weight that you feel like you can't carry, you're right, you can't carry it but my back is strong enough. And he says, instead of trying to fight and struggle underneath of it, throw it to me, and I'll put it on my shoulders and carry it for you. Man, that's awesome. I don't know how many times I felt just weighed down, and I'm like, I trust that verse that God says, give it to God, and you say, God, I need you to carry this for me. I can't do it anymore. I need you to do it. And he promises that he will. It reminds me again of that, of that story with Stephen Furtick, with his dad, right? Just give it to me. I can handle it. I know you can't carry it. I can because I'm strong enough. That's what God's saying. You aren't the exception. Because that's the problem with these messages, aren't they? It's easy to believe it for everyone else in the room. Almost impossible to believe it for yourself. But I want to tell you this morning that you aren't the exception no matter where you're at this morning. You are not the exception of this rule of a God who says that you're worth his care. I can prove it to you, because God actually said that. It says in, in Matthew 5, 45, it says, this is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good, the bad, the nice, the nasty. It doesn't matter how close or how far away you are from God, God says that he still takes care of you. He still gives you care. He still helps you out. That's crazy, right? He says, whether or not you like me or not, I'm still there helping out. It's like a dad who has two sons. One son, perfect. You know, the son that just is exactly like his dad. Follows in line with him, great grades, helps out, all the different stuff like that. And another son who is a complete rebel, hates his family, you know, doesn't, doesn't give any care and love back to the family, disappears, you know, is, is a constant worry for the father. But at the end of the day, the dad still puts a roof over both their houses, or both their heads. 
At the end of the day, the dad still puts food on the table for both of his kids. And at the end of the day, when they both go to bed, he still says, I love you to both of them. Whether one is, is perfectly in line with them or whether one is far away. That's what God's saying. He says, I take care of all you guys, whether you, whether you like it or not, really. And some of you guys say, well, you know, not me, though. Not me because I don't even have a relationship with God. I don't even, I don't even know him. I haven't, I haven't asked anything of God. I haven't said, Jesus, can you help me out with something? So he couldn't be talking about me. Well, actually, he still is because it says in Matthew 6, 7, and 8, it says that um, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So if you say, well, I've never asked God for anything, it's too bad, because he already knows what you're going to ask. He already knows what you're dealing with, and he's already hearing it. Even if you'd ever say, Jesus, I need help with this, he already knows you need help with it. That's what he's saying. He's, I, I know you inside and out. It's kind of like a relationship, uh, like a dating relationship or a marriage relationship, in where the other person knows what the other person needs before they even need it. An example, a guy brings a coat for his girlfriend because she doesn't remember, but he remembers that she's always cold when they go out to the movies, right? He says, I already know you. I know who you are. I've seen you, and I know how to take care of you. Whether you ask me or not, I understand how to take care of you. There's one thing, though, that's, that's left up to us. God will care for us in one way or another, um, whether we like it or not. But if you want the full care that God wants to give, he says that you need to give something back. And uh, it, simply put, in, uh, in Philippians, there's this verse that explains it pretty easily. Philippians 4, 19. And it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What he says is that God will take care of every one of your needs, but then there's this kind of like dot, dot, dot in Christ Jesus. What he says is God will take care of you either way. We already saw that. God takes care of us. But he says if you want that full care of God, the only way you get it is if you know Christ Jesus, if you know who Jesus is. He says if you do, then God will take care of you in every way. Let me tell you just real quickly, if you guys haven't heard it before, if you have heard it before, a reminder. The reality is, is that all of us as humans, we all fall short of what God wants for us. We all sin. We all do things that aren't right. We know we do things that aren't right, right? But the problem is, is, is God is 100% pure, and he can't have any part with that. So if, we, if we're just sinful and we don't do anything about it, he can't even, it says he can't even really be with us. When we die, we can't go be with him. We can't go to heaven because there's that sin that separates us. But what's cool is Jesus came to this earth. He lived a perfect life and then died for all of those sins. And what's, what's kind of crazy is it's like when God looks at us, he looks through a Jesus filter that takes and blocks all of that sin. So when God looks at us, he sees us whole again because of Jesus' death. All it takes is a trust in Jesus Christ and, and a committing to give your life to him basically and say, Jesus, I know that I can't do it on my own. I need your salvation. I need your help with that sin in order to be able to make it. But some people might say, you know what, um, I, I know Jesus. I know Jesus, and I still feel like I'm not getting taken care of. I still feel like I'm, I'm not worth this care because I, I don't see it in my life. And the Bible says that oftentimes we don't receive things 
because we don't ask for them. And even when we do ask for them, we often ask with the wrong motives. So this morning, what I want to give you guys is, is, is two things. Is one, if you don't know who Jesus is and you say, I, I need a God who takes care of me. I need a God who says I'm worth, I'm worth his care. And you say, I need to give my life to Christ. Man, we're here for you this morning. My mother and I to be able to pray with. But also, if you say, you know what? I know Jesus, but still, I, I need his care. And you want to pray about something? We'll be happy to ask with you, God, to meet these needs. And we'll even talk to you just in reality of, of is this something that God really wants? Because it says if we ask for something with the right heart, God will give it to us. God will give it to us. It says that we are worth his care. I want to pray with you real quick, okay, just to finish. And then we'll give you guys time, whatever you want to do. If you want to just go hang out, chat, whatever you'd like to do. But if, we'll also be up here in case you want someone to pray with, okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that you are a God of care. I thank you that you say that we're worth it, that we are not worthless, but that you really do care. I pray to you, God, that you would let that uh, just, just sit in our spirits this week, that we wouldn't, if we've been knocked down and we've been, we've been kicked around, that we'd remember that there's a God who actually really cares about us. And also, Lord, that if there's people here this morning that need you or, or they just need to ask you and offer up some things to you, saying, I need help, um, that they would feel brave enough to come and, and talk to us this morning and, and, and do those things. I just thank you for who you are, Jesus Christ, and I thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, one last thing. You are worth more than many sparrows.